0: Just want to say, my wife dressed me this morning. I'm not wearing black because it's Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, moms! We do. We're thankful for our moms. A couple years ago, you know, we got to go to Disneyland. It was really amazing. We didn't go to my favorite ride until the last day. My favorite ride was this was one that was called "It's a Small World." It's not my favorite ride because of all the thousands of dolls. <laughs> There's lots of them. <laughs> and there are even some from Hawaii. It was really amazing. That's where I grew up, so I, I like that. But, and not because they sang the same song 4,000 times. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it for you because then it will be in your head the rest of the sermon. <laughs> nope, I loved it. And because we had been several days there, and it was super hot, and we got on this ride and went into the, the attraction, and it was air-conditioned. I was like, oh, five minutes of glory. Then we came out into the heat again. (laughs) Sometimes I think that our our gathering, our our church life is a little bit like that. We come and we hear the wonder of the word of God and the beauty of mercy. And we we did that in Jonah, how wonderful and amazing our God is in his mercy. And, And then we go out. Back into real life. And and I, I, I struggle in my own life, and as your pastor, I struggle with this. It's like daily living's hard and, and I get confused and, and and I start struggling again with the same issues of grace and gospel and mercy and God and how do I live it out? So today we're doing something a little unusual, which is what I love to do is just go through a text verse by verse. And we finished, last week, we finished the book of Jonah. So we're taking a bonus week on Jonah. But it's for a very specific purpose, to apply mercy. We heard about mercy. We heard about the incredible mercy of God over and over. And and not just on the Ninevites, those evil people that God just relented from the disaster he was going to give them. Really, the book of Jonah is a tour de force of how God's mercy is so much deeper and wider and amazing for his people too. We need the mercy of God. I get that, and I get that from Jonah, but then I struggle with how that actually plays out in this world. So I wanted to take today and take just a few minutes, not that a half hour or less is going to change your life, but how I pray And this week is in my prayer that we, church family, we would walk in freedom, the freedom of really being a person, people who who get mercy. So, so I, want, I want to show you, and I want to think about, and I will hit various verses outside of Jonah, but, but this concept for you and me uh, is so huge. I, last week particularly, right, we thought about that we don't really like mercy. Not like is, is a euphemism for hate. We really don't like mercy. We, have an aver- we prefer control. We prefer standards and measurements and accounting and bookkeeping. We prefer to compete and compare. We want God to help us be in control. We want to be masters of our own fate. We want to earn our own destiny. And we are cheered on by the world. And this Jonah came in and the book has destroyed that concept. It's simply not available. So we're left with this concept of how to apply mercy when when what I I, I get, my relationship with God is based on mercy, me not getting what I deserve. Here's the thing. We live in a world, and the world is full of chaos and confusion. It might infect you too. Because, Because the whole striving we have in our society today is not about mercy. It's about justice. Our culture is obsessed with justice. It always has been really. I mean, I grew up reading the big books, right? You read Tolstoy or or you read even John Locke. You read different people and and, and the people are concerned about societal justice. How do human rights and, and what do we have? I mean, that's Voltaire. We don't really look to mercy. We look to structures of justice. We think of mercy almost as fighting injustice. We take the people who are the most low. And we give them mercy. Maybe someone's home is foreclosing, and we help their rent, or they're losing insurance because of economic disparities. We help a little bit with that. as mercy ministries. But I'll tell you what, mercy feels like pity. I don't like pity. I mean, that's the thing in Jonah, right, wasn't it? When Jonah was there, God talked to Jonah. Jonah said, hey, Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Jonah was mad because God had had mercy, and then he was mad because God took away this plant that was helping him and just took it away. To said, man, I'm mad. I don't like your mercy, God. Jonah says, yeah, it's right that I was angry. You don't do things right, God. Every person has a story, you know. And the story interacts with injustice. Not with mercy. Don't want your mercy. I want fairness. I want equality. I want respect. I don't want you looking down on me. And mercy feels like I'm looking looking down on. Justice feels fair. I think that's why we look to justice, not... Mercy, even for improving society, we run in a society that runs on justice and justice for all. There's a movement going on in our society right now. I don't know how much you're around it or it's been going on for years, And but I follow. I, I was at an Ivy League school and, and it's in the water now. It's, it's everything that they talk about now when I get the magazines and I read. It's all about social justice. You heard of that? Social, this, these things, our institutions, our politics, the training we're giving to our children, they're being impacted by this drive for a deeper understanding of justice. Social justice, social structures, right? The structures that operate, that are ours to control, they aren't doing what they should be doing. They need to change. And Justice justice right they should change in ways which reflect equality every person valued for who they are in light of their identity their self identity and, and and you see the pull of it the reality of it all these changes that should be of justice for all that justice is not based on gender or on an on ethnicity on, on, on height or weight or economic status or sexual preferences right I mean this is this is this is what justice is. This is what we're talking about that, that our society struggles with. It's not about mercy. It's about fairness. It's about seeing how society does not treat people the same. Not everybody has the same opportunity. There's no justice. There's systemic issues with injustice. We want to go after them. This is heavy-duty stuff. This is not small. Thanks a lot for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> but it's real. And we take this idea of mercy from Jonah and we say, but how do I think about it in society that's doing this? And there's confusion and there's struggles. And, I mean, this idea, one of the ideas, intersectionality, I don't know if you've heard of that or, or talked on it. It was coined in 1989 by a... Columbia law professor, her name was Kimberly uh, Crenshaw. This idea of, of their systemic injustices, all of us have an identity, and different parts of us aren't being treated rightly, and in groups we aren't. And they intersect on layers and layers of injustice. And, and so, like me, I, I haven't experienced systemic problems like someone who's a woman has. Or someone who's a person of color. Or someone who has something else about them that society says doesn't like as much as a, you know, tall, athletic, smart, Winston-Princeton, white man. That's the truth, right? Is there truth to that? Better believe there's truth to that. I think there's truth to that. Unearned privilege, you know. It exists. We don't turn our back on that. It's not about mercy. That's justice and injustice. The greatest bias of all (laughs) is to many people what we're doing to future generations. So you take a step back and you start looking, wow, the way that you're doing now is not just for what's going to come later. Look at what you're doing to our environment with tons of plastic bottles dumped into the ocean, with 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 carbon emissions coming out. And, and you say, well, we don't talk about that in church. That's, right. that's the whole deal I'm trying to get at today. Life connects. We don't get to leave the air conditioning and drop it and go into the flame. I want you to be in air conditioning all day. How do you do it? In light of this turmoil that we have inside where where do we get where do we get justice uh, and and so this idea man we, we can make jokes about stopping airline flights or stopping car is it cows from farting or whatever it's been in the news but you know what you know what there's something real we laugh but there's something real Where does mercy come in, and it doesn't seem to? Where does mercy come at all in our lives? I mean mercy, it's relegated to the homeless meal, or giving someone a blanket or a ride or a handout, or, or the mercy hospital that where people don't have search they can go to, or it's kind of a helps little segment, it, and it shouldn't It ought to be our life. struggle over fairness. I want to show just a really short little clip because it's, it's me. This is me. This, this, that's two monkeys, you know. They did an experiment in 2011 and they've done it several times now and, and and what they do is they do have a monkey give a little do a little task and get a little reward. I don't know if you saw this. I put it out to a couple people earlier in the church week. And it's, it's been around for a long time. It's a TED talk. You've probably seen it. it's not a Christian thing. It's a science thing. Here they go and they go. So what happens is if you give this monkey um, a They do this little task with a rock, and you get a reward for a piece of cucumber, which is like water and cardboard. They eat it. They love it. They'll do it over and over. They'll do it like 25 times, no problem. But if you put another monkey in the cage next to them, and you start not treating that monkey the same, these monkeys, they love grapes. So, look, I want to show you what happens. Here, let's try it. Dr. lights. here it goes. I'm getting grape, and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us, that's the task. And we give her a piece of cucumber and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us. And that's what she does. And she gets a grape. And she eats it. The other one sees that. She gives a rock to us now, gets again cucumber. She tests a rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. That's us, right? That's me. I'm the I'm the, the monkey with the cucumber. I, I'm such a fairness person. There's nothing about mercy there. It's not fair, and I gotta have fairness. How do we get more fair? And it's not just every, every, every being that's ever lived, right? We, we, we want it. We want to live there. Nobody wants mercy. At the end of the day, we want fairness. And I'm going to equate fairness with justice. And what happens in our society is it's leading us to some chaos and confusion. When the Bible, God's word, has set the relationships we have with God entirely on mercy and I want to think about what that means and so here's keep keep walking on because this is where the fight is in our society and Christians enter in if you're a conservative Christian you come from the position of what does the bible say god's laws are the best laws stand up for them so if you apply god's laws then society will be better hey if you do the law you will live the bible says that it says in the old testament jesus said in the new testament it's not until paul who interprets jesus say yeah nobody does it but we, we things will go well for you we think mostly if you'll just follow the law and so we can make the bible our code for justice we'd be fine so our main game as conservative christians often is to try and uphold the law we fight back when we think god's law is being broken Sexual morality or gender issues or marriage or mistreatment of the poor or greed or covetousness or adultery. If we could just handle these things rightly, life would be much better. It's not untrue. Liberal Christianity, there's a church up the street, right? They, they, they think a little differently than, than conservative Christianity, but it sees the pain and the bias that power creates, in human hands You come at this, this idea of justice From let's use the law To make things better Let's regulate Let's find a way As levers to um, decrease oppression It's another form of law applied Both groups are kind of the same They want to use law to try and get society to a better place This is about justice There's no mercy in this Love codified is law. The fight is over law. The fight is the desire to do justice. This is Micah six eight. It's used a lot. He says Micah six eight says, He has told you, O oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to what? Do justice. So let's go do it. The only question is how, as we use the law to make social societal guidelines as to what we do. And so it's very threatening when different groups come and say, wait, we want to do something different than what your idea of do should be. Should the creative Christian baker have to bake a cake for the same-sex wedding celebration? Is that justice or right? Should we give a kidney to a person who smokes cigarettes? Take it out of the political discourse And more into what's right Society is bent on Identifying a victim and righting a wrong Or imposing a solution And arguing over what the solution should be Is what we do And you know what I'm going here because of what, What I know to be in our water Once we leave the room Studies, right, statistics Show that the generation that's graduating college Right now Future of the church people starting to raise families, they're obsessed with justice. There's a Forbes study, I'm going to quote it, says that they're passionate about equality and justice of every kind. They fight for themselves, their friends, their classmates, and others they see treated unfairly, whether due to issues of gender, sexuality, race, pay, or environment. A recent study in 2017 says that 76% of 20-somethings, sorry if you're 20-something, I'm going to call you a something, You're in your 20s. They're concerned about humanity's effect on the planet. It is a justice issue. They they think they can operate as a change agent. They're hurting the planet. This is unjust to other generations. Tim Keller wrote a book called Generous Justice and, and writes that young evangelicals who have expanded their mission to include social justice along with evangelicalism Many turn away from older forms of ministry, but also from traditional evangelical doctrines of Jesus' substitutionary atonement and justification by faith because they're too individualistic. What's going on? And, and how, do I, how, do I, how do I reconcile it with, with, with tax you've been harping on? Mercy, but really everything is about justice. This is the key point of our search because you're searching for this. You're like me. You may not say you're like me, but you are like me. Man, I want the grape. Just give us all grapes. I'll be happy. We use laws and government regulation and mandates to make justice. Right? That's what we do. And by justice, we mean fairness as we see it problem is these glasses everybody has a story and your story let me tell you the truth your story is marked by unfairness other people on you sin on you how the circumstances of your life growing up i know there was sin in it because i know this world and you're a sinner and your parents are sinners and your grandparents are sinners. And your great grandparents didn't escape either. Also, the system, the system we set up to try and be as fair as we can, it's not fair. And there's an issue with it though. There's a bunch of issues that we have to start to struggle with and we start to walk through and we start to wonder about. And one of them the issues is that it's it's all about groups. Right? The civil law can't produce fairness for an individual because, because an individual has a backstory that's nuanced and singular. So we make laws that cover groups of people. If you're harmed, how is your harm compared to someone else's harm? And, and everybody has a story, right? So everybody's been harmed somewhere. And who gets to have the greater harm? And this is the argument going on in our society. Okay. You say I'm going to give justice, but is it really just to give more money to the poor when it's going to drugs? Well, don't give it to that poor person; they're going to use it for drugs. Give it to this one. Well, what about their? Story? And why? 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 Sir, so a way we can get around that and still be just. And the second problem is restitution. Civil laws aimed at redistribution and fairness. Big issue right now, but as soon as you try and go there, as soon as you you do, you run afoul of your own biases. we all have them right power corrupts <laughs> absolute power corrupts absolutely what is the sin against me worth? What is the sin against my parents worth? What what is your sin and how much should we pay for that? And what is your sin in, in there? and there and and yet there are structural big problems that need to be addressed. How do we do it? And and what do we do? And and, and these questions—they are all of them, all of them, a hundred percent justice questions that don't have a satisfactory answer for everybody. It's because everybody has a story, the reasons why they've done what they've done. Why is your story more needy than mine? I, I, it makes me think of Jean Valjean. remember him in, in Les Miserables. He, he was in, in, in France and starving, and, and he was trying to feed his family. So he takes a little little piece of bread from the baker, and he goes to prison for 20 years. changes his whole life. It's a story, right? It's not even real. But 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 I have such sympathy for him because I know his story. He's just trying to feed his family. The the, the baker won't even miss that little tiny crust of bread. Who, who who not a big deal, right? You know, what's not told in the story at all, the baker's perspective. I know nothing of the baker. I know nothing if he's used his last little piece of dough to make three loaves that he can sell so he can feed his family. If I knew that, my perspective might start to change because I start to know everybody's story and everybody's got a story and there's all sorts of injustices that are running through them and some injustices are worse and we need to deal and some of them aren't. But but, but it's all a question of what? Justice and context. Say, well, just have mercy. No, 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 we're not talking about mercy. We're talking about the law because... because we're talking about can the law handle things can justice handle things and in our society today as much as we try there's always holes it's always unsatisfying and that's because the law can only restrain sin and point out error get me our use of law can only restrain sin and point out error it cannot produce goodness We're already under judgment. Every single person's a sinner. The people that say tolerance are not tolerant of everybody. The the people that say avoid global warming take airplanes to global warming conferences. The people that say pay more taxes avoid paying taxes. The people that say I'm a greater victim than you are often very privileged people. I've spent, I've spent many mission trips going to Burkina Faso. That's where, where, boy, the sweet, amazing pastors, and they're so excited that they eat once a day. None of that takes away from unfairness, right? None of it takes away that there's injustice. None of it does. It takes away from the ability that we have to try and make things just, and we've tried. We've tried communism. We've tried dictatorships. We've tried enlightened monarchs. We've tried different things in society to try and make them better, and they're not better. It's because the best the law can do is restrain sin and point out error. I can point with my finger with the law and show you that you are not doing well. I can show you systemic problems in our society and they will be true. They're real, they're not made up. But the law, I'm telling you, the law is a bazooka, not a sniper rifle. It doesn't weed out bad apples. It kills the tree. We need the law not to restore justice, but to restrain the worst of us. The mandate to love God and love people is not an aspirational goal that we're slowly working on codifying in our law as a society. That's what people are trying to do. Because if we could do that, then the issue is it's not that our civil law needs changing and then we would be better. The problem is sin is individual and the soul who sins, the Bible says, will die. You know what that means? I will die. And this is where mercy comes calling. Don't miss this. when you talk about talk about taking mercy with you with having an air-conditioned life if you can see this if this gets implanted in your heart if this nail goes in it changes you mercy means not seeing myself as the powerful one but the needy one together with other needy ones us together mercy means mercy received by you from God. Let me, let me do a quick review. This is what God says in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 18 says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. This, the context of this is that there was an argument going on of saying this, the sons were saying, We're suffering, you know, because our father sinned. And Ezekiel comes, and you can read the whole chapter. It's a very interesting chapter. You should read it. But the whole thing kind of says, okay, look, you die for your sin. It's not your father's sin that makes you die. It's not your son's sin that makes you die. It's your sin. And so I have a question for you. Are you going to die? If your answer is not yes, I want to talk to you, old person who lives forever and doesn't die. Because the whole thing is that our physical death, and Romans 5 affirms it, our death that came in, it's not because Adam did something, although Adam set it up, so I'm always going to choose it. It's because I choose to sin. And the soul who sins will die. That's what Romans says, right? By the works of the law, Any civil righteousness you want to put in there, go for it. No human being will be justified, righteous, good in the sight of God since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. You see, I just know. What does the law do? It points out my error, so I know the error is there. Thank you, flashlight of the law. The highlight that I'm a sinner. And what does sin do? It shows me and says I will die. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Sunday school verses, but I'll tell you what. They set up this, this, this room for us that says there's no hope for me in attaining perfection in my civil existence, in attaining perfection in my law keeping, in our law keeping. There's no way. What the law is for is to show you, you stink. Me, I stink. And so there's this piece that comes in and says there's a but, right? But the free gift of God, free gift, that's also called mercy. What we call grace. Eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's no way for me to say. It's true, you know, some people sin more than other people. I can say, you sin more than me. The Bible clearly sets up for us. Man, if you keep the whole law, if you do everything perfectly, but you mess up in one point, you've messed up the whole thing. It's no good for you to be, man, faithful to your wife, tithing to the church, faithful in every regard, but you covet, but you're greedy. But you have no heart for the poor. There's no good for you and me. We've sinned. We're dying. A little miss is missing it all. And so the deeper into Christianity you go, the more you say like Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. The more you say like the tax collector right there. And do I get to see there's the tax collector in Luke 18, where Jesus puts this parable: the tax collector standing far off, would lift his eyes to heaven, beat his breast, and said, "God, be merciful to me." And the actual thing I've changed there might say a in your text, but it's the the sinner. The idea is, no one's worse than me. As soon as I let someone else be worse than me, all of a sudden I'm a little good because there's somebody worse. So your life, your individual life, you see it in a certain way as receiving incredible mercy. And these things that we receive, you and I, that, 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 that are just in, are incredible, is that Jesus Christ has freed us. So you get this, like in Luke chapter 4, you get Jesus coming into Nazareth, our Savior. It's where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and I can imagine him coming into our church and opening up the scroll and saying, okay, I'm going to read, and, and he reads this passage, you know, the prophet Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. And to, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. to Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he goes and he rolls up and he sits down and everyone's watching him. And he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What's that? Well, there's our mandate. To go to make the society good again. No, no it's not. There's our hope is in Jesus. The captives are captive because because they've done something to be captive. There's a multitude of reasons why these people. Why did the blind man blind? Well, sometimes it's nothing that they've done, and sometimes it is. Why why are you living like you're living, and why is your circumstances like your circumstances? Some of it is grave injustice, and some of it is righteous result of your sin. And Jesus comes and says, "I proclaim to you mercy." you receive freedom remember the father in Luke 15 we don't have time to go to all these places remember the father father in Luke 15 and the son's been so terrible and he run away he's eating pig slop and finally says boy I should just go back and work for my dad I know I called him wish he was dead and all that stuff but I'm going to go back and the father sees him a long way off and he lifts up his robes and he runs There's no restitution. There's just forgiveness. You have that. You have the proclamation of God that I forgive you. You have the proclamation of God, I don't care what you've done, I forgive you. And you take it. You don't take it and say, well, I'll take three pieces, but I want to keep this piece for myself because I'm doing pretty good in this area. No, you don't. You have no idea. And so that forgiveness is not restitution, but seeing the wonder of love found. It doesn't deny there's a debt. We read it, right? We read it. I won't go back, but you read it with me. Didn't you read it with me? The guy who comes up and Jesus gives his parable of the servant who gets forgiven. Ten years of debt, and he comes and he goes to his neighbor who owes him a debt. It's not a fake debt. It's not like, oh, there's, there's not some... Obligation there. There's a wrong that needs to be made right, and it's in the context of forgiveness. That, that 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 parable is given in the in the context of Peter saying, "How often do I have to forgive my brother?" Man, those people wrong me all the time. What do I need to do? I do do it twice, four times, thirteen and a half if they really mean it. And Jesus says, "Unlimited, basically." Seven times 70. We live in a different culture, you and I. My friend likes to call it a gift culture. The reality is you've been given everything that you have. And that gives you freedom because the person who gave it to you is the one who is in charge, not you. You are not in charge of making society as good as it will ever be. You stand up for the truth. You speak the truth. You know the law. But then you, you, you actually are people of mercy because you received it. You don't cringe because someone brings up, oh, man, I see that you're not the perfect person you should be. You say, you better believe I'm not. You're not sad because the, the person out there isn't following the law of God. Of course they aren't. By the way, you don't either. Instead, you step back and you say, wait a minute, I I, I live my whole life on the basis of mercy. The law tries to balance right and wrong. Mercy says we're we're all in the same boat. I'm in the boat. With, with whoever suffered whatever other injustice has been suffered. I'm in the same boat with people who, who, who have suffered extreme injustice on systemic things and who have suffered personal injustices in how they were raised. I, 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 I'm with people who have been raped or who have been beaten or who have been doing different things, that bad things have happened to them. And we all have received mercy. I've often thought of the cake maker, that it's, it's right for him to say, the, the law that I understand from God says this is not an appropriate thing for me, but then to follow it up with, and here's your cake. Because it's amazing mercy. I don't have to agree with you to say you rejoice in this. So, man, I, my basis for my relationship with God is incredible mercy I've been given. We're people of mercy. When trying to impose law It's always a failure And it's going to be That doesn't mean you shouldn't sometimes do it Or people don't need to know But guess what They always know <laughs> I think they know Even that you're not a person of mercy So here's the thing We listen more And you judge less You think Can I give what isn't deserved Why am I afraid of giving what isn't deserved And call it mercy Be secure in your own skin. This is what you can do. This is Jonah. And if you can, come back to Jonah. Read it. Read read him, the prophet, being saved by God by the utter miracle of a fish that swallowed him. Being taken to where he's supposed to go. And then God not giving up on him but continuing to talk to him and be with him. The The whole thing ends with God talking to Jonah still. Jonah's angry at God. Go to Peter and just read the end of John's gospel. How, how Peter abandons Jesus. He runs away. He denies him. And Jesus goes after him and says, Peter, I, 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 do you love me? He doesn't say that because he doesn't know. He says that it because it's mercy. Peter doesn't get what he deserves. You don't get what you deserve. I don't get what we deserve. We all don't get what we deserve. We're in the air conditioning of mercy received. Let's go be mercy received out there too. My blood pressure does not go up. When the law is not followed, get a mirror. You don't do it either. I am not surprised that the world struggles with biblical law. I struggle too. The, the most amazing, shocking thing you'll ever do is be merciful to someone. Because that's what you've received, is mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy on the person who thinks opposite of you, so they're, they're, they're clearly wrong. That was a joke. Mercy on the person who thinks they're a great victim, even when you don't think they are. Mercy on the person who doesn't think they're hurting other people, even when they are. And mercy doesn't necessarily look like just acquiescing, right? It's you actually thinking. What I'm asking you to do today is to think I'm not giving law in order to to make someone better, but to think I want to give. How can I be merciful to this person? Merciful to someone might be calling the cops on someone who's doing drugs. Because that's the very best thing that could happen to them. And your heart is motivated by I need to intervene and help this person today. And mercy is this heart that says, I'm living my life in terms of what I've received, and I've received so much. Even though in your own heart, and what will happen, because it happens to me, you're going, man, I'm just getting cucumbers, and the guy down the street's getting grapes. Dude. Trust your God. The hardest is mercy on the person who does evil. The very hardest. And the only way for you and I is that we go, I am that man. I am that woman. I am evil in what I do. And yet, in Christ, I've received mercy. Do not, I plead with you today. Make sure, make sure you see civil justice as just that, restraining sin, keeping the boundaries as best we can, not as a means to accomplish love. It doesn't accomplish love. I, just, justice is coming, you know. It is. Justice is coming because God sees every heart, and he says justice is mine. But he also says beware because you think you stand and you're going to fall. And you think the person who's going to fall, and they're going to stand because the Lord gives mercy. And so we need to see the structure. This law drives you to the cross, it not the enablement of justice for all. Use it. Use the law to drive people to the cross, and then give them the gospel. Never, never connect justice to the gospel. The gospel's mercy. Okay. This is my thing for you today. We've gone long, but I'll tell you, may your life be a cool ride in Disneyland because of mercy. You have received it. I declare to you today your sins are forgiven. You're white as snow if you trust Jesus because he's the only way out.